0: Welcome to the Wild Remedies Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Frankora, and I'm here to bring you captivating stories from some of the most fascinating people I've connected with on my own journey of physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of the Wild Remedies Podcast. Today we are interviewing Steven Dynan, who is the founder and CEO of The Shift Network. So something you may not know about me, I'm a manifesting generator in human design, which means that I do a lot of different things. I wear a lot of different hats. Um, So on top of being the founder and CEO of Wild Remedies, I am also the creative director at the Shift Network and have worked with Steven for about two years now. And I absolutely love working with Shift. You know, being an entrepreneur, I've found it difficult in the past to align myself with other companies, mostly because I want to do things a certain way and all of these things, which can be difficult uh, when you're working for a corporation. However, I've just had such a beautiful experience working with Shift. Um, I just find that Stephen has such a beautiful way of leading a spiritually based company in a way that allows people to just be able to contribute with their gifts for, for the greatest good. A little bit about Stephen. He is a graduate of Stanford University in human biology. And the California Institute of Integral Studies, he co-created and directed the Esalen Center for Theory and Research, which is a think tank for leading scholars, researchers, and teachers to explore human potential frontiers. And he also served as, as the Director of Membership and Marketing at the Institute of Noetic Sciences. If you haven't heard of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, it's really cool. I highly suggest you look it up. I wanted to dig into this more with Stephen, but we just talked about so many wonderful things having to do with spiritually led businesses that we didn't have time. But I first heard about uh, the Institute reading a Dan Brown book. like years ago. It's a fictional book. But Dan Brown, if you haven't read any of his books, I think it was like the Da Vinci Code. He's got like a ton of them. Um, But he references this institute, which I thought was fictional. And I looked it up and realized that it's a real thing. And so what they do is they do real scientific uh, experiments on consciousness. It's incredibly fascinating. So I highly suggest you look into it after this. Stephen is also an author. Um, He has a book called Sacred America, Sacred World, Fulfilling Our Mission and Service to All. And he's also a member of the Transformational Leadership Council and Evolutionary Leaders. And he's been a featured speaker at many international conferences, including the World Cultural Forum in China, the Alliance for a New Humanity in Costa Rica, and, oh no, I can't pronounce this, Renovemos. (laughs) I apologize. I just butchered that. Mexico and Mexico City. He lives in Northern California with his beloved wife, Deva, who is absolutely wonderful, and their two daughters. So, this is an episode for anyone who wants to be inspired in business. You know, the Shift Network is now a mid sized business. We help people all over the world um, and promote beautiful spiritual experiences for people through all kinds of our courses. And promoting some really fabulous teachers that focus on spirituality and all kinds of energy healing. So, we will have links in the show notes where you can learn more about the Shift Network. And let's just get into having a chat with, with Stephen. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, without further ado, let's chat with Stephen Dynan. Welcome, Stephen. I'm so happy that you are joining us today on the Wild Remedies podcast. How are you today?
1: I'm great. And it's good to be here with you. I love your work. So fun to do this.
0: Yay. I'm so excited for everybody just listening. um, Steven is an absolutely wonderful entrepreneur merging business and spirituality. And I've had the pleasure of getting to work with him for the past, gosh, it's almost two years now, I think, hey, at the Shift Network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I support the Shift Network with some creative stuff. I'm the creative director there. And I've absolutely enjoyed my time working with the company that you've built Stephen it's such a beautiful culture
1: thank you yeah uh, when you add to it
0: thank you yeah so again so excited to have you today and just to get to pick your brain a little bit about you know I really would just love to know about how your background and how you started the the shift network I know it's a really cool divinely guided um experience. And I'd love for the listeners to hear all about it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, where to start? I mean, so I wasn't always on a spiritual path in my sort of in my teenage years, I was super ambitious and always going after like the next big run up the next mountain. I was very competitive into sports and trying to, you know, I went to Stanford undergrad. And so I was kind of like running up this next mountain all the time. And and actually it was as an undergrad um i was i was judgmental at first of people who were who i knew who were doing uh who were experimenting with psychedelics but then i tried psychedelics with and opened up this whole other experience of the universe it was clear that it was like the sort of scientific materialism that i was largely my dominant paradigm at the time wasn't adequate it was it had some shortcomings and that there was a whole another layer of reality that was really a sacred reality and that there's a whole different way of being within the world. And so I kind of, that led me into things like Tibetan Buddhism. And I started doing things like past life regression hypnosis and exploring shamanism and transpersonal psychology. And I got very voracious with books and experiences. And that eventually led to uh, the California Institute of Integral Studies, where I studied east-west psychology so i got more steeped in the frontiers of the fields that were interesting to me like the interface between psychology and spirituality and what were the leading edge disciplines for transformation and i didn't have a particular game plan i was more just curious and wanting to explore and that curiosity and exploration led to india led to um, a whole variety of other places and eventually uh, landed me through a series of synchronicities at um At the Esalen Institute. So I'd gotten a master's degree in East-West psychology. And so I I had this role for a while where I was Michael Murphy's sidekick. It was sort of not the official job title, but essentially activating uh, think tank uh, things on the leading edge of different fields, subtle energies research, survival of bodily death, integral capitalism. So what I got good at is seeing what is, where is the le- where are the leading edges of a domain? Where is the culture evolving to the next level? Where's the paradigm shifting and who are the people who can catalyze the next evolutionary leap in that area? So we would convene 15 to 20 thought leaders, do deep dives, synthesize what was going on, create strategic plans for what research needed to be done. And it was, it was a really interesting job, but it was very kind of academic and think tanky. Um, and i didn't really have any business aspirations at that point i was really more of a writer scholar and explorer and i was pretty deep on my own explorations and path and so i had done a lot of uh, meditation retreats i was a uh, like 10 maybe i was i had done seven or so at that point 10 day meditation retreats and silence and vipassana just meditating 16 hours a day and during one right around the turn of the millennium so this goes way back I just, my crown chakra opened up the top of my head and sort of this vision poured in for days. Like it would just all these details and it it was one of the most powerful kind of openings I'd had. And it was really clear that I needed to create this somehow, even though I didn't have a background in business or didn't have any money or didn't have any, you know, I had a lot of things that were lacking in my uh, toolkit at the time. But it was just really clear that, no, this is like what I would need to dedicate my life to. And because it was so palpable and so powerful and so real, and a lot of the details be like affiliate plans and local hubs and online network. And, you know, we've only built like 3% maybe of that original vision. And uh, And I, th- I assumed it, I could get it done a lot faster, but their technology needed to evolve and I needed to evolve and all these other things. but but basically for three days, I just got this like kind of you know burning bush moment of seeing what I needed to do with my life and uh, and then it took a long time to build the capacities to deliver. So I tried to get it off the ground, went pretty much belly up financially. Uh, Had to then back into some other ways to do it, build capacity and skills. We can go into some of that. But I think the, the most salient point for entrepreneurs out there is just to, first of all, trust when you have a sense of like a higher vision that's really compelling you, that feels like it's yours to do. Just trust that as your North Star and then see whatever setbacks come as opportunities to grow yourself, to, to be able to deliver that rather than it's like a signal. It's like, oh, maybe that the vision was wrong or that that's not the right direction. It's more like, oh, this is just, these are these are ways to, they're going to test me and grow me and and lead me in some other directions. But I, I, I think that the thing I did probably um, that I'm most proud of is just stay loyal to that that north star download vision that I got and it took a good 10 years of laying groundwork in different ways to eventually be able to get it off the ground and uh and you know now we are now we've started to deliver on that vision but still a big vision relative to where we are and um and so it still is a north star and it has a lot of you know different dimensions to it and the pathways and the people and the how unfolds over time but But it's it's there's a sense of like, oh, this getting clear about what you're really here to do on the planet and then creating a business out of that, I think, is the best way to go. Because when you get that clarity, then you've got all the forces of your soul and higher intelligence and whatever game plans and collaborations you've laid down with other souls are backing the plan rather than it's just, oh, there's a market. There's a good business idea and you can make some money at it, which doesn't have as much power behind it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god! I absolutely love that story, and you know it parallels mine a little bit with wild remedies in a sense because I feel like it was. I also had a divinely guided experience, wasn't quite as profound. It was more of like outward messages, um, but it was sort of the same thing at the time where I was like, you know, getting these messages to look into these different um, medicinal mushrooms and things, and I was like, I don't know anything about this, right? And my background is design and i knew nothing about creating a health food company and it really is it's just about this trust right and having this deep seated i guess guidance and knowing that this is the thing that you're meant to do in life and so you just put one foot in front of the other even though it's really scary and financially it can be you know extremely challenging at times and so i just really really appreciate Um, your perspective on this and, you know, hope that other people can, can learn from this experience as well. Because right now, I mean, Shift is getting to be a pretty big company, you know? Like,
1: yeah, I mean, it's big relative to small companies. You know, we've got seventy seventy five team members and a lot of great contractors and a few hundred faculty. We've got three million people on our active email list, and so you know, it's it's sort of like a getting into the mid sized company range. And it's really clear to me that like from the beginning that this needs to be a global company that's reaching hundred million plus people, and that is really like a major company on the planet. And that's still a long ways off. So it's just trying to keep the one foot in front of the other and trusting the unfolding and, and seeing sometimes what, what happens is still preparation for whatever's coming next. So, Oh, this challenge, this person, you know, it's, it's, it's just, if we assume it's all happening for us rather than to us uh, as an entrepreneur, I think uh, it's easier to metabolize whatever comes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, For people who haven't heard of the SHIFT Network before, how would you describe it?
1: Well, really, on the simplest like metaphysical level, it's like we're just amplifying the wisest voices we can. And so we're creating a platform that allows the most awake, conscious teachers in different modalities of personal transformation to teach mostly live programs and then eventually evergreen programs uh, to a global audience. And so... You know, I think we're in our our sweet spot of genius when we take somebody like Puma Quispe Singona, who's, uh, you know, raised from the age of six by his grandfather to be a medicine carrier within his lineage in the highlands of Peru, lives in Chinchero. And he got turned on, somehow got turned on to us through, featured in a summit. And now we're doing all these programs, leading a trip down to, to Peru. And his grandfather told him he was going to be a world healer someday. And he didn't even know what that meant. But now he's a world healer because he's got you know hundreds, sometimes over a thousand people in his programs online with the Shift Network, and he was not somebody who had was like going on Oprah and had a big best-selling book and all like the kind of traditional pathways to to becoming a transformational teacher writ large. Like he was more like just really authentic carrier, wisdom carrier for his tradition, and so that's when I feel most proud of what we've created when we can take people who have have real genius and gifts and wisdom to share, but they might, you know, don't really have the marketing internet, all that kind of chops to get it out there. And then we can help amplify them and make them into a global voice that can re- people can really receive. So, you know, that's, um, you know, there's, pl- there's plenty of teachers who have been very well established and sold a million books and this and that. And in some ways it's great to feature them, but it's it's not as much of a value add for us to do that since they already have access to a global audience. But it's like providing that next tier of teachers who are up and coming who might represent wisdom lineages, who don't have internet skills, who haven't ever published a book, giving them a platform in which to really teach a dynamic live environment with people around the world, um, that's that's when it's sort of most exciting what we're doing.
0: Yeah. I remember when uh, I first started at Shift and I saw that Puma was one of the faculty and I was just so delighted because I met him about, gosh, 10 years ago now uh, when I did um, a trip to Peru and he just has the most fabulous energy. Like he's just the happiest guy that I think I've ever met in my life. And, you know, a lot of his focus was tourism in order to, you know, bring revenue and, and things to, to his community and being able to show people, um, the, 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 the tradition in that area. And I'm just, yeah, I absolutely love that you guys are able to amplify voices like his and also be able to have people experience the medicine that people like him Mm. are are able to provide. That's really, really exciting.
1: Yeah. And as a change strategy, I mean, what's clear to me is that most of our real challenges as a species come from um, a lower level of consciousness. We're kind of stuck in a more egoic, competitive, you know, sometimes violent way of engaging other humans. And so the more we evolve ourselves into our own divine self, into our our higher self, that we have more of our potential to access. We're more clear on what we're here to do. And we're also more embracing of the entire human family. And so when we're amplifying wisdom voices from every major lineage, that also is helping to heal some of the the breakage points in humanity and uplift the consciousness. So, so on a simple level, if we evolve enough people's consciousness on the planet, we're going to have a much better planet, and we'll be able to you know make the shift in time to a, a more global, integrated, peaceful, healthy, and prosperous civilization. <laughs> And uh, I do believe that we're, we are going to make it. I think it's going to get precariously close. And that's part of how humans often learn. You have to kind of go up to the edge of things. And, you know, it seemed like maybe it's never not going to make it over the edge. And maybe we're going to have an ecological crash. But I actually think we are going to make it. But it's it's this kind of gradual up-leveling of consciousness that is behind. It's a driver. It's not as obvious, but it's a driver of like when you have more awake clear, aligned human beings who aren't acting out their trauma, who aren't polarizing against each other, then it's, you know, it's just a lot easier to create a healthy and harmonious planet. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like that really is the importance of what, you know, you're doing, what we're doing by, you know, showing people that it's important to honor the wisdom traditions and become open to more things like metaphysics. There is just so much out there that um, I think a lot of people don't don't realize. There's more to to reality, and there is a huge shift in consciousness happening right now. It's a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> well, it's really uncomfortable, <laughs> but it's definitely leading us down a path that I, I agree with you. Like I think things will get better. It's just it's a it's a challenging time right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and people have need yeah, people need this information more than ever, you know. And so yeah. what's cool about the Shift Network for anybody that that that's listening, um there's just a huge body of work from some of the most like the the, the biggest leaders in the the industry when it comes to energy healing and metaphysics and again like um wisdom traditions and It really is just a source of the best quality teaching. I think there is out there for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. When I encourage people, I mean, I think it's great to access what we're doing and we welcome you to come. And I also just for the purpose of entrepreneurs, I think that if if you think of it as like you're here to express your spiritual mission through a business partially and that. Part of what we can do is also provide some inspiration for how to keep clearing and aligning because um, as an entrepreneur, like the 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 challenges that we run into are often reflections of places that we need to grow or expand in some way too. And so whatever we're running into, it's like it's like can we up level our perspective on it so that we kind of see it in a different light and to actually address that whatever the challenge is in a different light. So mm-hmm. there's that pivot from like, oh, why is this happening to me? Or why is it's more like, oh, this. what's the opportunity here? What's How do we take it to the next level? And so I think if you approach entrepreneurship from a spiritual lens, it actually makes it easier and ultimately more effective to do so because we're not getting bogged down in certain patterns. Uh, we're sort of like, oh, being curious about how might, how might we approach that differently? How might we, how might we change that direction? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And what I find too, is that when you are approaching something as well, typically masculine as entrepreneurship or how it was before, um, it just seems like there's more of a balance between the masculine feminine now, Mm um, I very much experienced that at the Shift Network, which I think is is really beautiful. Is that something that that you've noticed as well, or try to focus on?
1: Yeah, it's actually. A, I think of the root level shift that the planet is going through is the rebalancing of masculine and feminine. And so, you know, when we when masculine is kind of predominated, which it has largely uh, for m- millennia, it's like it creates certain systemic, you know, problems. So violence between nations and sort of like increased polarization. There's, there, and then so sort of like as there's this upsurge of the feminine and also a reclamation of spiritual lineages that are led by women and women mystics. And there's a lot of that that we do. And probably seventy-five or eighty percent of our customer base are also women as well. So it's, there's a reclamation of a more feminine approach to spirituality, to awakening, to practice. And as we do that, we kind of balance ourselves out and then we're better vehicles uh, for this kind of emergent paradigm perspective to land in. And so I think uh, traditional business has been a highly masculine, tilted um, industry just in general, is like a lot of the values and the priorities. And I think now we're sort of really learning how to integrate a more female leadership, more feminine perspective. Um, on, you know, and some of that is, it's like, what is it in service to? It's like, sometimes there's been a tendency to just make business, um, about in service to profit making and return on investment alone versus like, actually what's the kind of deeper mission and how are people, how do people themselves, uh, thrive within that employees and customers? There's a sort of a, a, kind of a care for the, the greater whole and the care for the local that's not quite so narrow cast, just like, how do I make the profit and to return the investment? And so the, the traditional businesses tended to be a little bit more exploitive and create a lot of uh, collateral damage that gets externalized versus like we're now really in a mode of, you know, inspired by folks like Patagonia, as an example, where they're like consecrate the entire company to the better, betterment of humanity. And um, there's a lot of different ways to do that For for us. I think it's trying to keep the... The mission at the foreground while also really looking at how can everybody thrive within that mission as a as an embodiment and you know, it's there, it's, it's not always easy. There are challenges. I don't want to sort of sugarcoat it. Uh, we've had to go through, uh, you know, cycles where we've had to lay people off because there wasn't enough income coming in and that sort of thing. And that that's, you know, part of the business cycle. So we don't get to, we're not immune to that necessarily, but to try to do that in a way that care, you know, has the care for the greatest number of beings involved, um, and that, uh, that we can do that. So we could talk about other things that we've done to try to, like, increase the the consciousness of, of the business and how we're doing that, which I think people may be interested in as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear about that. And just to kind of reiterate what, what, what you mentioned about, you know, um, business still needs to operate as a business, right? And even though difficult situations do arise, it's... <laughs> remarkable to see the difference, how those challenges are, um, I guess, handled when there is a higher vision in mind and it comes from a more feminine space. Um, so like there are a lot of companies right now that are going through layoffs and stuff. And I know that, um, you know, there was, um, a situation at shift where we needed to look at that and it was done in such a compassionate way, (laughs) you know, that I've never experienced before working with other companies. And even though it was difficult for all people involved, it was, it it was very evident that it was difficult for, for everybody. Right. It wasn't just somebody at the top being like, okay, well, this is what's best for business. And we're just cutting people out. It was, it it was just, it it was a compassionate process, which was, I think was, it was very, it was wonderful for, for me to see. Um, you know, especially as somebody who is kind of at the beginning stages of um, you know entrepreneurship with this company, um, I just really valued seeing that experience and hope that you know if it ever comes to that at some point that I would be able to handle it with as much grace.
1: Great. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that that's that was how it all landed for you. It was definitely hard, and you know, mm-hmm. as I said, it's is those are the, the moments that you're, you you can be. Most difficult to enact your values, but I think one thing that's you know just that we try really tried to do uh, fairly early on is have more consciously articulated set of values, and uh, that, that then we're holding ourselves to that standard. So this is where it's like having a higher mission that inspires people. It's it's not just um, something to put down on a piece of paper, but it's something that kind of helps to focus our collective attention uh, on something bigger than any individual, and so. Um, so the mission and the the vision of where we're headed is like really important because that starts to crystallize something in people's consciousness of what's possible. And so a lot of my role is always trying to be painting those pictures of the visionary possibilities that we're moving towards. And then values really become like an operating system of like, what are we anchoring our uh attention in as a culture and how do we build that in as a culture and so i think th- th- these things are all part of somewhat of the standard operating system of business but if you think of it more of like a way to organize an energetic system like everybody is contributing to creating an energy of of, of uh, that has focus that has direction that also has an integrity to it then it sort of has a it almost has like a higher function it's rather than oh yeah we should do that value you know do something with the values or whatever it's more like oh that's actually an important process to really tune in about what is the uniqueness that we are trying to embody and activate in our culture and then hold ourselves accountable so we do send out a quarterly survey about how we embody in our values and it's anonymous, so people can provide feedback about all the different ways that, that they see that we're not, or that we can do better. Um, and sometimes that's a micro level, sometimes a macro level. And, you know, can't always make all the changes right at once, but it does, it's more like this keeps you on the journey of, of embodying the values more and more. And that creates the integrity, which then ultimately attracts and retains people. And I would say one of the things that I've been most happy with um, with the, like the in the, in some ways the aftermath of needing to do some downsizing is that we didn't lose anybody else, so it's sort of like there's like oh there's uh, people still kind of were were invested in the in the community the vision and the mission, so sometimes it can create a whole wobble a longer term wobble in the culture. So you know they say that um, in big as you get to be a bigger company or mid sized company it's like culture tends to become more and more important as a way to sort of um, keep people operating at the same level. Because there's a lot, you know, people come in with all sorts of different backgrounds and experiences. And so there can be mixed motives and sometimes lower motives. And it's like, you want to kind of set a high bar for, for what the what the company can be. And then I think there's also just a, a role for really um, embracing people as their full selves. So that's part of why we do have a community um, call every week, every week or all company call. And we do a fair number of community centric things and um, or, uh, having breakouts and encouraging people to reflect on deeper dynamics and um, sometimes doing meditations and practices together because those things are unifying and they also express our, our values. We used to do those in circles when we were small enough and we all were local that we would kind of meet in circle and kind of take off our work hats and just share a really kind of a heart and soul level and be really real with each other. And that creates an environment where people don't feel like they have to have a work hat and a and a pers- personal hat that are fundamentally different or like a facade they put on at work that they can really be them. And that makes a difference in terms of feeling like if they're going through a hard time, they can share that with their colleagues or that they can be real about, um, some of the challenges they might face in their in their life, and so I think that all those all those are part of creating a more conscious enterprise. Uh, we also did things at the beginning, like we set aside two million shares, of about twenty percent of the founding stock of the company, we set aside for, to dedicate for nonprofit foundation purposes. And through our whole journey, we've done um, philanthropic events, we've raised money for different charities, we've. Um, you know made commitments to indigenous peoples uh, with a declaration of commitment to the indigenous peoples we've did a whole peace week and peace ambassador kind of training and created a world peace library so we've had um, commitments in the fields of women empower women's empowerment of peace building of indigenous um, and indigenous uh, rights and and activism as well as uh, what I call uh, um, politics 2.0, or I'm sorry, democracy 2.0, where it's more about like you know being involved in democracy, not as much as partisan politics, but as more of like just really seeing our civic duty as part of our spiritual practice as well, and how to engage in that way that uplifts the collective and focuses on. Collective problem solving. So we did a whole series of of conferences in Sacramento, focusing on game changing innovations. And as only one g- example, um, there's a fellow named g- David Gershon who had created this beautiful program at a local level called Cool Blocks, and started to do Cool Cities. And we encouraged him to do a whole Cool California presentation and show how California could lead the way. And eventually got him connected with the governor's office. and And now it's like you know California's has. Been implementing and working with him, and there's you've know, got several billions of dollars of funding behind this initiative to basically decarbonize the economy of three cities first by 2030, and then 25 next year they're going to be submitting applications, and it's like basically making a major contribution to climate change. And we so we help to incubate that and uh, to empower David to, to have a platform and stage to reach more people. Introduce them to people. So, those are all we've done a lot of those kinds of things in parallel. And sometimes we've gone a little too far, like we like, oh, lost, lost a little too much money on that conference, we've got to come back and focus on the things that uh, people are willing to pay for. And then, uh, you know, there have been times that we've we did a big online music festival and consecrated the entire thing to um, tree planting and set some bold goals and, you know, raised enough money to pay, plant a quarter of a million trees. And uh, so we're still en route to our larger goal of planting a million trees as a forest. And we do plant uh, uh, 10 trees a month for um, each employee as part of a carbon offsetting forest restoration project. So those are just some of the kinds of things that we do. And so thinking about that is like, it's not just um, nice and philanthropic, it's also good business too, because it's like people People these days they have a lot of options of where they can work. People want to work somewhere that they're proud to be and that they feel good about, and that aligns with their values. And so, so it's part of attracting high quality caliber people and, and retaining them to sort of walk your talk and have some uh, positive impact initiatives that that we um, can stand by. We also have done a number of things in the kind of racial healing arena, and um, you know everything from podcasts to donations to uh, some trainings. And so there's been uh, various areas that we feel like are helping to shift the collective uh, in a positive direction that might not be as easy to monetize that have nonetheless felt really um, important to invest in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that contributes so much to the work culture. I think, Um, I know for me, the philanthropic work that shift does is incredibly important. And it's significant too, right? Like the amount of philanthropic work you guys do is is a lot. Like there's been a lot of money and time donated to really amazing and worthy organizations. And to me, that just also shows a lot of integrity, right? Like that's really how we move things forward when we are wanting to, um, you know, make better changes in the world. Yeah. And -hmm. another really interesting thing too is that what I hear time and time again from, you know, folks that work with Shift is that it, it, it? there's very much a family dynamic. Everybody feels like this is family, but everybody's remote right now. And so that's really cool that people are still feeling that like that, even though it is remor- a remote working situation. Um, has... Has everyone always been remote? Like, you guys had an office that one time, didn't you?
2: Hi, I'm Maddie. Let me tell you a quick story of how I'm supporting my PCOS with Wild Remedies Spice Chocolate Magic Latte. First of all, I'm a registered holistic nutritionist, so you know I'm investing in finding long term, sustainable approaches to wellness. Living with PCOS, when things are feeling a little out of balance, it's common for me to wake up groggy, have blood sugar crashes throughout the day, or become totally overwhelmed by daily stressors. My morning coffee was causing blood sugar spikes, anxiety, and tummy trouble, so I swapped it for Wild Remedies Spiced Chocolate Magic Latte about a year ago, and believe me when I tell you that the change has been insane. Each sachet has three servings of Wild Siberian Chaga, a powerful antioxidant-rich adaptogenic mushroom that helps to fight inflammation and fatigue and regulate the immune system. It tastes like a creamy hot chocolate with just a hint of spice, and it keeps my stomach calm. Since swapping, I feel more clarity and calm throughout the day, and my morning magic latte helps to set clear intentions for the rest of my day. I save fifteen percent on my monthly subscription at wildremedyshop.com and at two fifty per serving, it's saving me a ton on Starbucks runs and supplement orders. Check out the links and promos in the show notes to get your own. Your adrenals will thank you.
1: We had um, we had office and little campus and we've definitely focalized more around the local and we would try to hire locally so that people could come in. Um, it's really more it started to kind of widen widen um Pre-pandemic and then pandemic kind of accelerated things because a number of different um, executives. There was one that was getting married to somebody on the East Coast, and so she moved out. And then, but it, it ended up being really good because it just allowed people allowed us to hire the best people where they were and to not worry as much about location. Or Facetime, and um, you know, I've kind of I've become a fan of remote work, also for myself too, in my own lifestyle. Is that we are now um, we have a, two daughters, one is uh, almost three, and and one is five, and we have a little school on our property, and we also have been activating this interesting side vision of world schooling hubs. And so the thesis is that you know, world is your classroom, and so we're they're technically uh, the five year old is technically uh, homeschooled, but we have a kind of homeschooling pod. And then we are doing that um, also with six weeks in Mexico in the winters. And so we um, not only is it lovely to be in Mexico in the winter, but it's also a good cultural um, exchange opportunity. We want our girls to really grow up with a sense of being global citizens and, uh, and being able to not just take a quick vacation somewhere, but kind of get into a culture. So, you know, we're looking forward to sort of cycling, more cycles with that, where it's like a part of a new education model where we're bringing in more of our kind of personal transformation practices and communication practices. And, you know, the girls, they they know a lot about a lot of things that I I certainly didn't when I was five years old. And... uh, and so bringing, being able to work remotely allows me to sort of just work on a normal schedule from Mexico. And we have, uh, we were partly inspired by one woman named Ana Maria on staff who didn't even have a home base or kind of had a home base in in, in California um, with family. But basically, she and her husband and two kids were just, they would go and live for three months one place, live for another place three months, live for another. And she, she had done that for several years and was working well for shift. And so it was like, wow, that's a great model for raising their kids more globally and internationally. And so we decided to kind of approach it a little bit more like a portion of the year. But I think working remotely allows you to do that and to design in sort of you know things that are more of your vision for what you want for your life or bucket list things or cultures you want to explore. And that creates a certain dynamism of, um, yeah, of your own, of your own growth as an entrepreneur too. So I think that's obviously there's a burgeoning population of digital nomads out there, but I think even people who want to build not just a a solo, a solo thing, but build a company, you can do it pretty effectively now remotely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think people are really searching for that and are kind of used to it already too, right? Like everybody is pretty digital now. Um, And I know for myself, I feel like I'm actually really lucky because when I was in design school, gosh, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago, the word digital nomad wasn't even a thing. And I didn't really realize at the time that I had an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, But I feel like there's really no other way that I can function than working (laughs) from home. Uh, You know, I've, I've worked for companies that have had really cool offices and whatever, but just, just, you know, the nature of having to commute and all of these things, it just takes big chunks of time out of your day. And I love the aspect of being able to, you know, connect with friends and, you know, the social aspect of going to to the office from time to time. Um, but I also really do value just being able to like, you know, have extra time in the morning to do a morning routine or wh- whatever that is. And I think a lot of people are now kind of expecting that a little bit too, or at least being able to have the, the flexibility. So it's great that SHIFT embraces that.
1: I think the genie's out of the bottle. It's never. It's going to be very hard for you know yeah. most you know knowledge based um, industries at least to to go back to being fully in person again. It's you're going to have to kind of fight upstream, and and why why not do the other you know? It's like if you can have really, if you get better and better at creating cultures that are connected, intimate. And uh, empowering even at a distance, why not do that when people and gives people the option to live where they want. Since it's like the the differential between the population centers that have been kind of su- super expensive and have higher salaries, and then some. Uh, we live in a we live on thirty acres of forest now, and uh you know it, it, we have, our house is twice as big as it was in Marin, and thirty acres of forest, and we have this beautiful land and. And it's like you know the price is less than we at the the when we were living in the Bay Area, so it's uh, it allows us to live for me in a more rooted, connected way. I didn't even realize the ways that in suburban. Uh, the suburban area of San Francisco. It just was there's a kind of a buzziness or a disconnection sometimes from the natural rhythms that that fuels certain patterns. It's a little kind of like hyped up or something. Whereas like living in the trees kind of settles things into a deeper rhythm too, which is good as a balancer for me as being a CEO of a company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're living my dream, Stephen. I want to You're get living your land. dream. <laughs> Well, I've been chatting with my sister actually. Um, she has a small farm in Northern Canada and she wants to move down South. And I'm also feeling very called to, to, to get some land. So we're thinking about purchasing some some land together and potentially, you know, having a healing center or something on there at some point. And how lucky are your little girls too, that they get to grow up in that way. I also kind of have a similar vision of I ever had children. I don't know if that's, um, you know, on, on my path, but that would definitely be a non-negotiable for me as well as for them to be able to have an alternative education. Um, Mm -hmm. I hated school as a kid, like just despise it. I, questioned everything like why (laughs) why do I need to be here for so long like can we just cut out recess and lunch so I can go home like this is just such a waste of my time I hate (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's
0: funny yeah. It was just, it was not my jam. Like I did well in school and everything, but I was just like, literally just give me the book. I'll read it. I'll do the test tomorrow. I'll ace it. And then just no. leave me alone. I just, yeah. You were
1: designed to be a digital nomad.
0: I guess. I guess. <laughs> Honestly, I feel so, so lucky that I ended up being able to do that and travel the world and be able to work because I didn't think that that was going to be a thing back in the day. Yeah. You actually,
1: crazy. you've, you've done that whole, cause you lived in maybe a couple of years living all over the place and we're just working remotely, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I moved to Asia and I was there for two and a half years. And then after I left, I just continued to travel for another two, two and a half years. So spent a lot of time in Europe, down in Mexico. I actually lived in Salt Lake City for like six months, which was kind of random, but yeah. Yeah. I spent some time in California as well. So it was great yeah, it's
1: cool. it's so it's so enriching to do that and I, I think that it if um because I know you have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this it's like if you if you if you build the your your lifestyle or to work your optimum lifestyle to work with the company it also is going to nourish you in a deeper way so for me mm-hmm. Like I often find that sometimes the cold, wet, dark of winter gets to be a little bit much and kind of like dampens my spirits a bit. So it's like we're like, well, why don't we spend six weeks in Mexico and figure out how to do that? We actually have ten families going with us. We're bringing two teachers, so we have like our own little schooling pod down there. We've got our whole compound that's rented out, and it's sort of super fun. It's like people go out at night, but everybody works during the day. They all work remotely, so so we have our kind of little you know pop up school and 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 you know, 10 families that we like that are all going to be there with their kids. And so it's sort of like, why not design? I mean, it takes, it took a little while to get it off the ground, but it's like, why not design it that way? And then it's like, you come out, you know, mid-February, the sun's starting to come back and we're, you know, tanned and relaxed and happy and uh, kept swimming in tropical water uh, for the winter.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Not the worst way to do it. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Well, I'm kind of curious about what some of your daily practices are maybe that allow you to show up for such a large mission and yeah
2: company well
1: i mean i was i was joking with you before we started that it's like uh you know having two young children has t- is uh knocked a few of those practices out but i'm gradually adding them back in so i'll tell you which ones i'm i used to be a two-hour a day meditator um and i found that was a great baseline i did a lot of meditation to just kind of deep deep solo dives also time in the backcountry by myself so i find there's there's something about like cultivating that inner channel to your own highest intelligence, inner guidance that I I find it's helpful to do something that's kind of like a solo nourishment of that. So I used to spend time on Shasta every year and spend three days in meditation up high on the mountain and just kind of get clear on a lot of things. And so what I've been doing now is building back in where I have two nights off and actually put a bed into our office space here in town, which is not that far from our house. And I, I sort of sleep here and Unplug from the family matrix and get a chance to just like be in my own creative rhythm and juices. And so I think it's taking whatever time it is to sort of like really come back into your own knowing. Um, So for me, some meditation does that uh, some yoga I've been trying to get back into two days a week. I like automatic writing is a really interesting practice that I would recommend to people. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you cultivate the ability to just sort of turn down and you can actually track it neurologically. Now you turn down the centers of your brain connected more with ego and analytical mind, and then you can, you could start it's easiest to start with like um just asking questions if you want of like like conversations with god style just ask, ask a question and then just see what starts to come is like a little inner voice if you will and just play with it so i have thousands and thousands of pages of of uh automatic writing which is really helpful for business type stuff as well and then I find deep dives are really good. Like we're leading this uh, trip to Peru and that's gonna include doing uh, plant medicine work with Puma and some of the other um, teachers down there. I find that that's, um, as it's coming online, as a legal practice, people are talking more about it and how powerful that can be. And so I do uh, think that can be a really powerful part of, and a lot of entre- entrepreneurs who get great business strategies from from that. So meditation retreat, yoga retreat, could be a plant medicine type journey. All of those things are like kind of unplugging from the matrix of your responsibility and really taking the time to true yourself and clear out. Um, for me, I, you know, I think those are, those are some of the key things I do now. And I, I think the other thing pivot is to really see your see work as a spiritual practice too. And relationships. So we're, right now, because of the first, the last six years are are with kids under three, um, like we're frankly a little bit um, tough on like keeping our our marriage like vibrant and solid. And so now we're we're investing more time and uh, doing things that are kind of like recharging our relationship, whether that's a three day getaway or doing some um, you know conscious communication practices or. You know, exploring tantra or things like that that are like kind of rekindling that the relational field. Um, so I, I find that it's like what I try to do is like sort of tune in about what's what's out of balance, and then sort of like what can I get into the schedule. So scheduling is is another thing that I think of as a spiritual practice. Is it anything that's important? If you can put it on the schedule, it's like almost sending this some message to your subconscious that it's important enough that you're going to validate it on the schedule somewhere. And so um, as an example, last Thursday, I realized, you know, I've been I haven't been as much in um, a solid writing practice just running shift and so and I have about you know ten ish books that I want to do before I check out of this planet and I've done a couple uh, and but I was like, wow, if I really do, I have to kind of do one every two or three years and so so I just blocked out you know twelve writing days in the next year um, in like sort of three day chunks throughout the next year. And so I'll just kind of work the schedule around that. And uh, for me, I tend to write pretty quickly. So I can, that's probably, I can get a good chunk of a book done in those 12 days. Wow. And, um, and so that is quick. Uh, well, I mean, I, I just figure you know, I, I can do a thousand words an hour if I'm under pressure. And so if, you know, 5,000 words in an eight hour day is not like that. Sweat hard. it out. <laughs> Just, it's just discipline. Just treat it yeah. like a, like a, another workday, but you're just focused on writing a book and screen everything else out. So for me, that was a practice to say, oh, I'm a little bit out of balance. There's a part of me that's not getting fully expressed. It's easy when you're an entrepreneur to kind of like push everything else out to the side. But then that those little parts are like the writing part of me is like, hey, what about me? It's like, well, I'm not getting to express. I'm not getting to do this. And um, you've been encouraging me around uh, podcasting and so I was tuning in about that and I, so I started putting that in the calendar and I haven't started doing it yet, but I'm starting to think about it and I'm gonna put it into motion to sort of create my own podcast um, actually two of them I'm thinking but so I think that it's like the more we can stay really tune in what's what's the expression of our highest self that wants to come into the world? And then schedule in the things that are going to allow us to do that at the optimum level and and keep our energy up keep our excitement up so we're not burning ourselves out week after week and then we have to kind of do an emergency intervention and just like oh i gotta it's more like each week you kind of get recharged and rebooted and um and able to to move forward so i think you know there's the basics there's making sure you get a good night of sleep making sure you get some some exercise. Um, but I think, um, you know, for me, some yoga, some, and some clear open space that's just kind of unstructured is really important for me to just kind of dream into new possibilities. And also, um, the other thing I've been working on in terms of my schedule is, is just, is protecting my Fridays more from any sort of like everyday type meetings. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's really like Fridays becomes the day to dilate, look, Instead of micro, really kind of go more macro and look at some of the larger societal change things. I wrote a book on kind of conscious politics and there's things that I want to kind of write and think about there that are important as well. So I find that over time, it's like because if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have, you have more stuff that gets scheduled and you have to kind of get more disciplined about can that be a 20 minute thing? Can it be a 15 minute thing? Can that can that be once a month versus or twice a month? And making sure that you're sort of each little thing that you spend, put your time into is dialed in to the optimum level. And so that you, you keep your energy high and moving on to the next thing rather than feel like you're bogged down or some part of you is like resenting that it's like, oh, you're working too hard. You're not getting to do any creative writing. um, So so that's kind of optimizing ourself within a larger system. So it's not easy, frankly, but I, I, feel, like, I feel excited that I've been getting better at it now that we're out of the first three year window with the girls because there's just like, it was a little bit harder to get traction while they were while we were up at night with them or whatnot and so I still feel like you know I feel happy that as a CEO of a mid-sized company I work a 40-hour work week and I spend a lot of time with the girls and I generally don't work on the weekends and I keep you know I really try to make my nine to five like hyper productive for the week but I try to keep keep um, shift from intruding much into the rest and then design these annual cycles so so that means you know making sure that every part of me that really needs to be fed and honored is is getting some airtime in the annual schedule uh or the monthly schedule or the weekly schedule and then I'm not kind of subtly resenting what I I'm, I'm carrying it's more just like okay this is part of part of who I am is being ceo but part of who I am is being a writer and part of who I am is being a, a thought leader and part of who I am is being a dad and and you know and so that each of those things has their their um their prioritization. and then even in schedule is sort of like just like it's like sending you a little signal. this is important. You can always change it. you know, you don't have to stick to it. you don't have to be rigid, but it's just like you're just sending the message that you look at the design of your week, your your month and your year and you can feel like, oh, all parts of me that need to be expressed or have their chance to be expressed and their cycles of replenishment and rejuvenation that are built into.
0: I love that. That sounds so very balanced. I try to do that myself. Um, I'm feeling called (laughs) to look at my schedule again. Something about summertime for me, it's like a lot of, you know, the regimented things that I generally do throughout the other three seasons, just everything goes to hell. I don't know why.
1: (laughs) Well, I, if I were you, I would say, "Wow, maybe because you're Canadian, right? So it's like there's more of a annual cycle. The further north you get because of the light cycles, is that yeah. like you get more hunkered down and a little somewhat, you know, lower energy oftentimes in winter, and then sp- summer is like ah exuberant. You want to yes. celebrate life, and so yeah. you know, if I were you, I would design a nine month schedule where you've kind of got nine months of the year, and then three months you create as like much space as you can." uh to just savor that time of the year and that function because then you're working with your rhythms rather than fighting them too.
0: Absolutely, and it does feel like that. And even though, you know, the the winter season does feel like more hunker down and less energy, I do tend to get a lot more things done, I think, because I have to be a lot totally. more regimented because the darkness <laughs>
1: in the cold cold bodies kind of move faster too it's like i grew up in minnesota so i'm 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 kind of virtually canadian so i i feel like i got that in my bones where i i would crank like all through the winter uh, but because you're always a little bit cold and a little bit like okay i gotta keep my hustle on here and uh and then summers is like get outside
0: absolutely yeah yeah that totally makes sense (laughs) <laughs> I'm kind of curious because you mentioned, um, your, your meditation practice. Is there a specific type of meditation that you do?
1: You know, I, have I, done a lot of the Goenka style of Vipassana, uh, which is more of a scanning the sensations of your body. And there's layers to it that unfold over time. It's hard to get to the deeper layers if you're not in a retreat. Um, but it's, you know, you can, I think that what I like about kind of full body scans, top to bottom, is it brings, it's sort of an embodiment practice Is you're bringing your awareness into the subtle sensations throughout your body, not just your breath. You can start, you start with your breath, but then as you get your mind more focused, you kind of scan up and down. So sort of from your tippy toes on the way up and in a deep meditation retreat, you can actually penetrate your attention deeper in. So you're kind of feeling subtle sensations in your liver or lungs, or you kind of become like this, there's like this ring of awareness that can go up and down. And it's like, there's something about that ring of awareness. It actually like cleanses things and brings things to the surface, but that's like kind of hard to get to for me, at least um, outside of a retreat. But I like the, I just like scanning the subtle sensations and it's like sort of keeping it agenda free. Um, with that said though, I do sometimes find it's useful if there's something that I'm particularly challenged by to kind of just hold it in consciousness and to see if something comes So like there's a kind of a practice of getting more embodied with the sensations and just being in that still point. And um, but then if you I just hold it, I'm not trying to solve it or puzzle it out with my mind, but it's almost like you just hold it in consciousness. And then sometimes interesting guidance or crystallization of things can can come in, too. So so that's like. You know, I don't even know what that practice would be. So I haven't, I haven't found. I did some mantra-based stuff early on, and and I didn't, I didn't find it quite as like, just didn't fit me as well for some reason. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's those are the two things I do, um, with meditation. And but I think that you know a lot of the benefits, frankly, just come from just being really still and and uh, just a lot like allowing your body to unfold. And I often find that there's something about releasing subtle energy patterns. Oh, I should mention that body work. I love body work as well, not just because it feels good, but um, I, I just got that on my calendar as a weekly thing. So on on Tuesday nights, I have a body work now every every week. And per, part of that is it's like brings your conscious awareness through every little part of your body because we tend to subtly pull out of different parts of our body when we have a lot going on. So we're like just working at the keyboard. And so all of our attention gets up here and in our Hands and then that leads to a diminishment of energy when your when your tension isn't sort of equally distributed through your body, so your energy starts to wane a bit. So I find like somewhat regular body work um, weekly, if you can, um, or at least once a month, um, helps to kind of re. Reincarnate in your whole body and kind of release all these subtle patterns, and I notice that a lot in meditation too, where it's like, oh, there'd be kind of like a little muscle here that was like a little contracted, and then it just starts to release and open up. And so, so I think that's part of what happens is that you end up with a more even flow of attention and energy through your body, which creates more center, creates more um, capacity to enjoy life. I think.
0: I'm actually not familiar with body work. Like, is it a physical thing that you're doing or are you putting intention on? No, practice? I'm just like,
1: like massage. Like, oh, massage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Body work. Yeah. I mean, it can be anything, but you know, I, I tend to, I've gotten a lot, i worked for Esalen for a while and I, I've always just both the Deva and my, and myself just love massage and body work. And just, I, I say body work because massage tends to only think of just the more pleasurable kind where body work can get. Lots of different, there's neuromuscular, which I've done. There's uh, you know, there's things that are more about kind of releasing the subtler patterns that that kind of get constantly in your body. But for me, like that's been really key to overall well-being is to make sure I'm prioritizing some of that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, I just purchased a program, it's called Functional Patterns. And I'm really into functional type exercises. Um, A girlfriend of mine was training me over the winter. And it's a really interesting type of exercise when when you're doing like a lot of twisting movements and things. So it really helps prime your body to be able to, I don't know, handle things like getting up off the floor (laughs) as you age. And the cool thing about this program is like the first like four or five weeks of it are mostly body work, right? So you're doing a lot of um, tissue releases with medicine balls and lacrosse balls and all of these sorts of things. And it's really interesting and what caught my attention is some of the before and afters on their sales page because they're working with people from all walks of life. So there's some people that have things like, um, you know, certain disfigurements or things with their bodies. And uh, it's like the before and afters are absolutely miraculous. And I find like, as I'm getting a little bit older, I notice that there's certain things that are tense. I get up in the morning and sometimes my ankles are a little bit sore and I'm like, okay, no, (laughs) I got to do something about this. And that deep tissue release makes such a huge difference. And it also really helps to um, bring more hydration to your fascia and your tissues, which is quite fascinating.
1: Cool. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really cool. I mean, yeah, we've, uh, at SHIFT, we've got a bunch of different programs too, like things like Feldenkrais and somatic movement. There's a lot of interest in this area. It's, it's particularly, it's good for aging, a you know, Qigong, a great system for like circulating your energy so that you can, uh, you know, particularly live very long lives. A lot of the Qigong masters are living into their hundreds and very vibrant and Feldenkrais also really strong with helping to have healthy aging as well. So I think there's, there's, you know, what it depends on what you're drawn to. It's like, but I think all of those are great. So like for me, it's like body work and, and hot yoga are sort of like the two combos that kind of create the most movement for me to open my body up and feel really good. Um, but I also you know, I respect all the, all these different modalities. And I think that it's the more we. I I like to kind of maintain a cross training curiosity. So it's sort of like sample something, try this, try that. It's like, maybe you should try a biomat. Maybe what what about this? And, you know, it's like, should we try different, different practices or different health supplements or different plant medicines? Uh, I just, uh, I just started taking, uh, triphala with uh, with meals, which based upon a call I did with an Ayurvedic doctor, and so I think we're kind of in this age where we're getting to harvest all the wisdom from around the world, and so whether that's creating like a really kick-ass high-vibration smoothie or uh, that's going to power you up for the day, or you know, you're maybe you're drawn to some kind of forms of subtle energy work or healing, or I'm thinking about going to an Ayurvedic physician because I feel like they have a really good philosophy around keeping your energy systems. Flowing and you know aging well since I'm I'm 52 now so I have to kind of uh, basically pace myself a little better with small daughters and uh, it's, it's, I don't want to burn myself out while they're still needing to have a more a dad that they can wrestle with and uh, <laughs> and so you know yoga. I think
0: yoga is great for that
1: yeah so I think that's part of it it's like um, you know and if you're an entrepreneur it's easy to neglect those things but then um, start to burn out and it's going to, it manifests ultimately in, in business that you're creating too, is if you, if you're not happy and fulfilled, it's going to have downstream effects on other people.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, I think that is a fabulous place to close. We're at time now. So thank you so much for that, Stephen. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about the shift network, you also mentioned, I think you have a couple of books out, don't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, Sacred America Sacred world is a little bit more big picture how does uh, America evolve our political system which I think is imperative. Um I did a radical spirit book a number of years back. Um there'll be more in the future. So I think the easiest thing is to get on the uh shift net the shiftnetwork.com email list, see what all we're up to and uh you know, I'll be starting a podcast of my own or two to to sort of get get more of the stuff that I'm noodling on because I I really what I think it's exciting to harvest all the different wisdom traditions and apply them in our lives. And I think the next growing edge is like, how do we redesign some of our societal systems in a way that's sustainable, that's conscious, that really works for everybody. And so I I like to also put a bit of focus on some of that collective redesign. Like I've been thinking a lot about the up-leveling of the Republican party in the United States and how, how does that actually happen? Instead of just critiquing it, it's like what needs to happen to kind of reduce some of the, Anti-democratic um, things that are going on, and to and to channel that the conservative impulse in a healthier direction. So it's just those kind of questions. I think it becomes a little bit like as we as we um, realize more of what we're here to do, then also looking at the ways that we can make contributions to the collective.
0: I love that. Well, I'm so looking forward to those podcasts, and I know I'm going to get to support. Uh, you on getting those launched. So I'm excited about that. And we will place some links in the show notes so people can check out the Shift Network and all of the wonderful programs that we have to offer. And yeah, again, thank you so much for for coming on, Stephen. I I really, really appreciate it. And again, just enjoy enjoy you as a person. And I'm very grateful that I get to work with you.
1: Likewise. I I love working with you too. So thanks for inviting me.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Stephen. (laughs) Bye-bye, all. Thanks so much for sharing your time and energy with us today. We'd love to hear your feedback on how our podcast has impacted your life and are also open to suggestions for new and interesting topics. Please leave your comments with a quick review to help us grow this magical community of wellness warriors and light workers. Every month, we select one lucky reviewer to win our big magic box containing all three of our beautiful magic lattes. To connect with us further, check us out on Instagram at wild Thank you again and see you at the next episode.